You should be saving for the future. But savings accounts suck. And investing can be scary. We combine the ease of savings with the real returns of investing. We call it Save Vesting, and it's only available in our new app, Stairs. Stairs offers 4-6% returns, no fees, and you can withdraw anytime. Do your future a favor. Visit StairsApp.com today. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to All Elite Wrestling and the Elite Extended Universe. I might start saying it's the best in the world. I may be joined, as always, by my good friend, Nate, a.k.a. Epitasis. What's up, Nate? Hello, it's me. Um, I'm here. Uh, I got, I'm got. i riding a good high from that episode of Dynamite, which is good because I've uh, been pretty fried this week. I was out of town. Friday and Monday, which of course means just a a hell march of catching up on work. But uh, that that episode of Dynamite kind of gave me an out of body experience. I feel like I'm on Mars a little bit, so uh, I'm ready to talk about it. I was sitting on my couch. All I could do was scream and reach back and grab the curtains. That's how excited I was. Ooh, a, a curtain grabbing good match. It was a curtain grabbing good match. Uh, we are also joined, of course by mike spears what's up mike hey y'all it's your old pal mike spears uh i was in my mind hooting and hollering like i was just freaking out the show one of my favorite episodes of dynamite we had in a long time and i think we could say that one we're all vibing here off of that show like that just was everything i wanted in that match and two pro wrestling's back i think it's fair to say pro wrestling's back Pro wrestling felt very back, maybe more back than it has ever been. Um, and yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you were able, if not to get some real hoots and hollers, Mike, you were able to get some mind hoots and hollers. Yeah, I mean, Pudge was, uh, I mean, the dog was trying to sleep. I was not going to scream and wake him up knowing that I was going to that he was going to go back to sleep soon. Mm. So you know, I I was being conscientious. I'm I'm, I'm a conscientious person. You absolutely are. I do think Pudge should probably put more respect on Nick Gage's name and fucking be awake for his matches. It's, you know, once in a lifetime that this comes around. Uh, Sarah and I were discussing the other day because I saw some tweet of someone saying that a, a day had been the best day of their life. So I was trying to think like, oh, what what were the best days in my life? You know, I was trying to think about that. Uh, so we discussed some of that. So tonight I just turned to her and said, I take all that back that I said the other day, this is the best day of my life. And there's no question about it, really. Wow, that's a, uh, a, a pretty strong review. So for all <laughs> the people that think we are too critical on AEW on this podcast, and we certainly are often critical, uh, there you have it. It, it. it brought about the best day of Aaron Bentley's life. Um, you know, a, a man who has traveled the world, who has uh, had fulfilling uh, and engaging relationships, who has uh, a, an important career. All these things pale in comparison to this episode of AEW Dynamite, so kudos to the team. 
Also, for the first time ever, Nate has just hyped me up. So it's also adding to the just the great fucking day that I'm now having. Yeah, I've got, uh, let's see, you're on Eastern time. So uh, yeah, you better finish the show in about two hours or I'm going to have to, you know, start chopping you back down again. <laughs> well, I am not going to let that happen. Uh, so I will finish this match, finish this match, finish this show before midnight Eastern time. Uh, okay. If you want to say nice things about me, you can follow us on Twitter and add us at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji. Hey, uh, subscribe to the podcast, please. Just search everything elite, whatever podcast app you use and uh, hit the big fat subscribe button. You'll get these quickly. It'll help us. If you use the Apple podcast app, give us a five-star rating and review. And if you want to support the show, the best way to do so is to go to patreon.com slash everything elite. It's almost a new month and the Patreon is about to change. Oh, I need to update the actual Patreon page. Now that I, I, think about- I was thinking about that this morning <laughs> and I was like, oh, Aaron's probably has this. I'm busy with other things. Apparently <laughs> I will do it. I just haven't done it yet, but I will do it. <laughs> uh, we're going to kick off the show with elite. Or delete. Uh, but, you know, uh, there's one fucking moment on the show that has to be talked about. I assume Nate will just kick it right off with that. So, Nate, buddy, here you go. What was your favorite thing from the show tonight? Uh, once again, you're wrong, Aaron. I was not intending <laughs> to kick off a lead or delete with the main event. Um, mostly because I did see you tweet at a mutual follower of ours that today was the best day of your life. So I was going to leave that for you. I will I will start at the top of the show. I'll start at the start with the awesome five versus five elimination match uh, and the presentation around it. They kicked this show off with just a bunch of extra effort that you don't see from every uh, wrestling promotion. Had a great, well-produced, well-shot uh, video for uh, Hangman and the Dark Order, you know, defining a cowboy and showing all the Dark Order members as their, uh, you know, inner cowboys. Uh, and then the very fun, uh, but still pretty much por- performed incorrectly, Chicago Bulls uh, player intros for the Elite. I don't know why Justin Roberts doesn't know how to do the from North Carolina. It's been, uh, maybe it's been a year at this point. Uh, but even beyond that, he's an adult person from the state of Illinois he should know how to do it. Um, but anyway, I, I'm, I'm getting sidetracked by that pet peeve. Uh, and then they went and had a uh, pretty awesome match, I thought. Um, crowd was super into it throughout. There's one thing you can always say about Young Bucks matches, which you can't say about a lot of, uh, you know, old hands who will go out and just do the do whatever it is. The Young Bucks always come prepared with ideas. These guys had ideas for, uh, you know, involving the basketball in the match, ideas for you know, calling back to previous matches with Hangman and Adam Page or with Hangman and Kenny Omega. Just had all the ideas you could need to flesh this match out, make a bunch of the guys in the Dark Order look awesome, uh, and the crowd was with it the whole way. Um, You know, I think people were surprised at the finish being that Adam Page lost, but I I guess I'm just kind of not really worried about it because we're still a month away from the pay-per-view. So... You know, plenty of time for him to earn another shot if he's, you know, been the number one contender or the number one ranked wrestler in AEW. So just a kick-ass start to the show. And, you know, not not for the same reason we often have kick-ass starts to this show. I really thought those uh, those videos and entrances were 
uh, a real cherry on top. This was just a complete package. Like you had the intros, you had the entrances. I mean, the fact that they went through the care of going back through After Effects or whatever they use and colorize uh, Hangman's video to have purple tint instead of the usual sepia tone was just like a nice touch all throughout. And Aaron, we were talking about this match earlier on Light and elimination tag matches. I am not Rich Krejci who hates a lot of elimination tag matches. I think the elimination tag match can be some of the more inventive wrestling one can have. And they told a really smart story throughout this match. And the big thing that, that I really wanted out of this match is I wanted them to be able to play up the falls so that we could have a prolonged handicap segment where you have the valiant baby faces. In this case, it was, uh, it was John Silver and Hangman Page trying to fight off the odds. And then, you know, you get like a fluke pinfall and then you suddenly have it be, then it was the elite versus page and, you know, page crawls one back and then doing a finish in a way that was completely satisfying and the willingness not to go, okay, this is going to be a nine fall match. The idea that both Kenny and Nick were soul survivors. I felt like that was like a nice little touch as well. The only place I beg to differ is I would have liked given the fact, yeah, they have a whole lot of TV, especially with uh, Rampage starting up in two weeks. I would have liked to see some sort of overall on paper guiding direction towards All Out at this point. Like, yes, it's about five weeks out, but it's something here that I think it's something that everything genuinely comes together in some levels for the pay-per-views, but I feel like for like the world title and for a match that's kind of been the story of the promotion to date. I felt like that I would have liked it just personally on paper already. So we already have the headline thing and working our way down and fleshing it out here. But as you said, there's more than enough TV to make it work and justified. And it's not like that they've booked themselves in the corner saying, Oh, he can't get a title shot. He just vacates his number one ranking and goes to the back of the line. And he can go win like three matches on dark and then a match on TV. and He'll be back number one. Yeah, I mean, I, it's clear to me from the video, like it's not necessarily the way I would tell the story, but it's clear to me from the video and the way they appear to be telling the story that the match is still Hangman versus Omega and Hangman is winning the title at All Out. I don't really have any doubt about that. So not exactly what I would have done, but I kind of see what they're doing. You know, he still comes up short three on one and that makes sense, right? He shouldn't be able to beat all three of those guys. And they even had to cheat. You know, they even had to hit him with the belt to, sure. to to win. So I get it. And it makes sense. And it'll still be a good story. It'll still, uh, you know, end up in a big, huge pop for Adam Page, of course, when he wins the title. And even before that, a big, huge pop, just when he comes out to face Kenny Omega at All Out. So all that's great. I agree absolutely about the intros. I thought the intros were amazing. It was so fun. Everything in the match was fun. Like, if you just... When when we're thinking at the end of the year about the best shows of the year, this is going to be on the list. And what is going to stand out to us is the opening match and the closing match of this show. The middle really won't matter. And it wasn't great. There wasn't a lot of great stuff in the middle. But they started the show so strong and ended the show so strongly that who cares? And there was enough, a couple of like fun things in the middle that... It all worked out. But yeah, this kicked ass. There's not much else to say about it. Yeah, and, you know, some great, uh, uh, just a couple. I love that 
the other Dark Order members got a lot of shine in the match. Evil Uno and Stu Grayson got to get a whole bunch of shit in that they haven't really had an opportunity to get in on, uh, you know, the national TV show that this promotion has uh, recently or often. <laughs> uh, you know, John Silver in his first match back got a ton of shine and got huge support from the crowd also. Um, so, yeah, just, you know, a, a real positive for that that Dark Order act continuing to be very over not losing momentum, possibly gaining momentum, even for those undercard guys who we were, you know, a little bit worried about. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Uh, and something I loved at the beginning of this match was even though, well, I guess it was before they did this cool intro, but like, yes, there's something awesome about a big, huge pop when somebody everybody loves comes out. But there's something equally awesome about when the lights went down and it was clear the elite were coming out and the crowd erupted in booze. It fucking rocked. I love AEW crowds. Uh, and we've talked about this a billion times, but because AEW extends their goodwill with their fans instead of fighting their fans, the crowd does what the promotion wants it to do. And so they went along with, even though... I'm sure everybody in that crowd loves Kenny Omega, loves the Bucks. They went along with what they were supposed to go along with, and it made it such a great uh, environment for the match. Yeah, you just have to mildly, mild, mild, why can't I speak English here? Mildly suggest it to the fans, kind of nudge them in the direction. And, you know, as long as you don't insult your fans, they, and they're having a good time, they're willing to go along with the ride. And I feel like that that was really, really a good focus in this match and hey we got a corner chain team spot where people running in doing moves and then reversing it there and for me as soon as that happened i forgot to say this during this as soon as that happened i was like all right i i you have my attention here now like that's exactly what i want to see here and you know doc gallows you know just kind of existed and that's always pleasant to see i like that doc gallows had like a protected uh, you know, loss here, but they just beat Carl Anderson with a pin. Uh, I mean, you know, Carl Anderson took like two finishers or whatever, but it is funny to me that they're like, well, no, we don't want to beat Doc yet because we got to come back to him for a big singles match still. He, Love he's that get for the big LG. Yeah, yeah got to get counted out. Got to get counted out. Well, we haven't even talked about Carl Anderson's 2012 jersey. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We're coming up on the 10-year anniversary. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh, he has to release a special t-shirt for that. Oh, I, I said to Cubs that they should do a whole 10th anniversary event in Impact and, and just do an entire <laughs> show about Carl Anderson losing the G1. Uh, uh, I would pay, you know, I'd probably pay $50 for a... Uh, G1 2012 finalist talking shop of mania uh, reunion show. Yeah, it was great. Uh, Mike, what was your favorite thing from the show? Well, Nate took the thing I would naturally talk about. I'm leaving the obvious thing here. Um, I really like the sense of momentum that we have now. And some of that is because there's so much things happening, but like, going from immediately Rampage having a show at the United Center now in its second week, and you just like, look what's all going on here. This is a promotion that, I mean, I feel like that a lot of the wrestling world over the last 18 months, for various reasons, either has decided just to send it and just be like, all right, we're putting these shows out. This is what we're doing. We're, we're just going to do this. Or they're going to be in a holding pattern and decide, okay, we are going to see what's going to happen here. We don't want to blow our big matches at this point. 
but AEW, like the way that they've really kind of hit the ground running and have built up like steam and built up anticipation and momentum. And yeah, a lot of that is the fact that they've now been in front of crowds for four weeks and that really invigorates the program a lot. But just like the way that even though like there was a big lull in this show, the way that they found a way to bring it back up, like tonally, like they were able to kind of pull it back out there and then you're already looking ahead there and it's just it feels like a steamroller in a way and it was something that like kind of taking this away from the show i'm like damn i'm not just looking forward to suffer next week i'm looking forward to oh wow rampage the first dance now is announced i wonder what's going to happen there oh we're two weeks out from the first episode of rampage in pittsburgh i wonder if we get a big brit match for pittsburgh and it's just one of those things that i really i think the last 18 months has let me really appreciate that like as soon as it's like all right we are doing what we're doing and it's i mean god that show and that's kind of like my big takeaway is it's great to feel like that we have momentum back in wrestling yeah you know i kind of want to talk about this too and i think um mostly because they not that they like had a bunch of actual angles on the show but they just had a lot of things setting up enticing future programs um i mean they basically tipped their hand that CM Punk is coming uh, and, and had him kind of set up for some kind of confrontation with Darby Allen, which is amazing. Uh, they had fucking Hiroshi Tanahashi, the ace of the universe, uh, the man of talent, the once in a century uh, man, Max Voltage here, uh, keep the full throttle. He was on the show to set up a challenge that will end up being against Lance Archer. And uh, John Moxley is also waiting in the wings to take on Hiroshi Tanahashi because he wants that match, except he also uh, is ignoring him now because he's mad. Um, and wrestling is like a very forward thinking sort of form and forward and form of entertainment, forward thinking form of entertainment, um, which I think is kind of just in line with, uh, our culture now, cause we're such a, you know, cultural moments pass so quickly and everything happens on Twitter and, you know, about three hours and then it's on to whatever the next crazier story is. Right. Um, so I, I, I think that's good that we're kind of always looking for it. it. It's, you know, the same the same reason like Marvel kind of works for people is like, you know, you watch you watch a Marvel movie or whatever. And it's like, OK, two hours. That was cool or whatever. Uh, but then they put a little tag on there that, you know, builds your anticipation for the next big one. So, you know, whatever you thought about the movie, one thing or the other, you can talk about that. But now you can, you know, talk with your friends on a podcast or, you know, at dinner or whatever about what's going to happen next and where they're going. And that's just kind of builds that anticipation and excitement, which is perfect for wrestling. We got all these big events. We got all out. Uh, we got the first dance. We got the Queens show at Arthur Ashe. Uh, all of these just like natural attention foci. That's the plural of focus um, to, to like, you know, get anticipated for and build hype for. And, so that got these angles and matches for, and once we get there, the crowds are going to be so primed and so hot that it's going to be impossible for them to fail. Like, I, you know, you, you put CM Punk on one of the Chicago shows, the show cannot fail. It's going to be a fascinating show to watch one way or the other. You put Brian Danielson on a Queens show and have him come out. The crowd's going to lose their fucking shit. We're all going to remember it until the day we die. Um, and then you got like the wild card of like, Oh, even dude Guerrero might show up on a show. Oh, Nick Gage might show up on a show. Oh, the ace of the universe, Hiroshi Tanahashi, he might pop up on a show. Uh, it's just, there's always something to hook you and keep your interest and give you that thing to speculate about and get excited for 
uh, and it's it, it just makes for a very fun promotion to watch. They obviously did like debuts and stuff during COVID. You know, you probably had to. You couldn't just keep everything uh, under wraps. But it does feel like they either held off on big things they wanted to do. Or it just all came together fucking perfectly at the right time for them to just drop one thing after another. Uh, because it did feel, you know, uh, stagnant there for, for a little bit leading up to coming back to crowds. And now it just feels like it's a fucking runaway train, but in a good way of just like, how can this momentum be stopped? Uh, how long before Dynamite is beating Raw uh, in ratings? Uh, how long before, you know, okay, it's Punk and Brian, maybe. How long before people are fucking abandoning WWE? I'm getting myself excited. I'm getting fired up. I'm just like saying things. <laughs> um, man, I'm fired up. And the reason I'm fired up mostly is because of this this last segment on this show. This is my elite pick. It's I wrote Nick Gage on the sheet, but it's not just Nick Gage. So first of all, you've got... Nick Gage on this show, the god of this shit, uh, the king of death matches. And the crowd, I think, wasn't really sure what to think about him at the beginning. But there's no doubt that this match won this crowd over before the end of it. As anyone who listens to the show knows, the one thing I wanted was light tubes in this match. And when Nick Gage pulled out the fucking light tubes, I went insane. But he didn't just pull out the light tubes. Chris Jericho took a light tube over his head. It was beautiful. Nick Gage, uh, you know, dug the shard of light tube in Jericho's forehead. That was great. Jericho was super game for everything. Obviously would not be outdone by Matt Cardona, always ready. Matt Cardona, uh, who wrestled Nick Gage, of course, in GCW over the weekend. Everybody seemed to be watching that match. Cody was tweeting about the match. So it was, you know, well known what was going on. and they. They didn't top the match from like a heat perspective, of course, or a story perspective, but it was like they did a lot more in this match than than Gage and Cardona did in that match, which is a pretty low bar, frankly. Did they really? Wow. I felt like they did. I didn't see the Cardona match, so oh. just, just from the amount of blood, I figured they must have done a bunch. It was just very slow. There was a lot of stalling in between spots in that match, which was fine. It was still awesome, uh, but... Here is just like, I don't know. I didn't know for sure how Jericho would react to <laughs> Nick Gage. You know, like, was he going to be willing to do this stuff to uh, help get Nick Gage over with the crowd? And he was. He went right along with everything. Uh, he did the killer. Uh, he's doing, you know, this Frankensteiner spot now that was killer. <laughs> he took everything. He bled big time. He took the uh, the move into the glass after, you know, it had, it had been cracked open which couldn't have felt good. So everything together here uh, was just perfect. It was, uh, what is, it's not euphorious, euphoria inducing. What's the right word? That's it. Yeah, yeah, sure. Euphoria. Euphoria. There we go. It was euphoric. I was just so happy. I'm so happy. I did. I like, honestly, my, like I, I, I would. It's, it's not like where you get dizzy. It's just like where you feel a little like medicine heady or airy, like in your head or whatever. Watching this, like I stood up to watch the match, obviously, um, and it, it was just unbelievable. Can I? I mean, I, I basically, I think I have to apologize because, like, I think we, I said on this show 
that Nick Gage wouldn't be in the promotion. They wouldn't do light tubes in the promotion. Uh, and they went above and beyond what I expected of either of those uh, in this match. I did, when they showed the Nick Gage uh, uh, video package, that was part of it was like cut from uh, Road 2. Uh, they did have a ton of glass and, and, and glass tubes uh, shots in that video package. So I'm like, oh, they kind of have to do light tubes now because they primed the audience for all these exploding light tubes. Uh, so that didn't surprise me, but it did please me <laughs> uh, when, you know, Gage, of course, brings those out and lets them sit there and lets the crowd build that anticipation for when those light tubes are going to get involved. Um, it did. It started off very weird. Uh, it was hard to tell if there were like Nick Gage, there were not any Nick Gage fans in like the immediate vicinity of the crowd, or it, uh, I guess it's kind of hard to compare because when you normally see Nick Gage, he is in his element. He is in GCW or beyond. And there is a mob of people that are just up on him, you know, mobbing him, pounding him, you know, getting him hyped. And like, it's, you know, it's like a pit uh, and you just can't do that here on TNT. So it does, it immediately kind of made, makes everything feel weird and alien that it's like nick gage doing his nick gage mannerisms but he's like you know on the other side of a a, a glass screen or something um and the the crowd can't like interact with him it's just like oh here's what this it looks like when this guy does this at home in his mirror or whatever he's just like it's a whole new weird energy but <laughs> they they got there i was um you know i think i don't remember when i i think i must have talked about this at some point when Nick Gage came into uh, style battle and like wrestled Walter and Keith Lee and shit. Um, you know, I was like, you know, love Nick Gage. He's obviously the fucking man. Uh, but, you know, when he gets in there with like doing elbow strikes and shit with people, it doesn't, you know, that's not what he's, his strong suits are. He's not, he's not going in there and throwing, uh, you know, the six shots that Lance Archer was throwing on Hikuleo on this show. Um, so, you, you know, it, it kind of, uh, I, I guess exposes him a little bit <clears throat> or exposes the match a little bit. Uh, and him and Jericho, like getting into striking exchanges was like, mm, I don't know about this, uh, but it just didn't matter because they got to the good shit and they went bigger than I expected. And they, you know, he went fucking grind the light tube into his forehead, which is uh, always just an insane visual. And yeah, because <laughs> Jericho, of course, in the pain maker makeup, but also busting out, the Bushi missed to get the win in this match. Uh, of course, because the pain maker is uh, a uh, a product of Japan uh, and he, he's doing Bushi cosplay. So, of course, he does Bushi's <laughs> mist. Uh, fucking lower mid-card junior in New Japan Bushi. Uh, yeah, I mean, just uh, absolute sensational spectacle. It's something where... Y'all hit a lot of the high points here, but I remember Aaron when we were doing This Is Chris Jericho, and we kind of came to a conclusion at the end of it that one of the things that really has makes Jericho stand out was the way that he evolved and changed and how like he was having completely different matches in 1995 than what he had in the Tokyo Dome. So... It's interesting to see like another evolution or him at least adapting for one night for this context. I mean, the fact of like how game he was without like kind of coming off like he was I hate I hate always using the term cosplaying here, but like he was like not pretending like he was in IWAM's 
Mid South and in the King of the Death match, he was Chris Jericho, the Painmaker, as he would be in a No Rules match, and it felt completely authentic here. And then the fact that Chris Jericho, for the shape he's in and all of that, doing a top rope Frankensteiner and just nailing it, just was something that just popped me immensely. And the the, the other like person that like we that like both Gage and Jericho came across excellent here. Aubrey Edwards, as soon as the light tubes and the pane of glass came out and the look that she was just doing very subtly and the camera caught it, it caught it, and that she was both like aghast and disgusted of what was going on in the ring while like doing that. I thought that was a really cool element as well. And Jesus Christ, they are putting Juventud Guerrera on TV next week. Like, they are just like just going for it here with this. I mean, they're doing the WCW Turner standards and practice bingo card in one month. I mean, blood, uh, glass tubes, cussing. Uh, Hoovitu grow might get an open mic. They're going to have to like have like a Hoovitu like row two package about what Hoovy's been up to, and they're going to put that on TV next week if the past is any uh, indication. And I mean, that might be bingo there. But God, just. Pro wrestling is back. Pro wrestling's back. It's super back. Also, uh, uh, JR was getting actually pissed toward the end of this match, which was so funny. <laughs> he was in the mood. Fluorescent bulbs. These fluorescent. This is fun, right? We're having fun. Um, yeah, it was fun. I did have fun. Thank you, Jim. It's like, I really don't understand that. Like, this is classic pro wrestling. That's what they're doing. Like, to me, this is traditional pro wrestling, just with elevated violence. But it's like, they're not doing moves, you know, the the fucking moves he hates. They're slowing it down. (laughs) You know, like, all they're doing is elevating a, you know, a personal issue between Jericho and MJF. And, you know, he's brought in Gage here. Right. And it's like, the tension feels high. The stakes feel high. It's, this is great. It's fucking wrestling. Like, what is the difference between, like, this and, like, the 1980s Mid-South Coal Miners glove match? Like, this is just the evolution of it for modern audiences. Or, or, so. or Magnum TA versus Tully. Like, right. the I Quit yeah. match. Yeah. Yeah, it's just the, the, like, the disgust reaction people have to light tubes, I think, which I get. Um, I'm, I, you know, I am, to a degree, still surprised that they did it on national cable television. Um because it does, you know, I guess there's, I don't really know what the difference is between a guy with blood on his face and a guy with like a bunch of tiny little micro cuts over his back so that his arms and back are all bloody. There is a difference. I don't really know what the difference is. Uh, but, you know, people have a line there. Um, so, you know, I, I, you know, people have different lines, whatever. Uh, but <laughs> just, you know, funny to hear. Jim, maybe Jim will have to start waving around his uh, WWE class ring again to see if he can go to the same promotion. Uh, our listener elite for this week is from Sean Thurman, who says, John Moxley, he is just so good at everything that I think we take him for granted because we just expect it now. Of course, he had this promo talking about Hiroshi Tanahashi on this show. And the water polo teams getting into Japan. Like True. he hit on a lot of different points, but it was it was amazing <laughs> promo. I mean, I'm pretty sure you could have gotten into Japan, Mox. You just didn't want to quarantine for two weeks because yeah. you mm-hmm. have a you have a, a weekly television show and a child to take care of. Uh, yeah, great, great promo. 
Um, you know, I, I had kind of assumed Super Jcast basically tipped a while back that Hiroshi Tanahashi was going to be on this New Japan Resurgence show. Uh, and as soon as that was, uh, you know, bandied about, I was like, well, they probably do Tanahashi and Moxley there as the big match, right? Um, and now they've gotten the belt over to Archer, uh, but it looks like they're still, you know, doing a, a build for Moxley and Tanahashi in the background. So it'll be interesting to see where those matches play out. Do they do, do they flip the belt from Archer to Tanahashi and then they do Moxley challenging for the belt again against Tana? Um, it, it, anyway, all, all, I guess two of those matches, this is like when we were trying to figure out the schedule for the Patreon show, all two of those matches, uh, will be sick. And that's a fucking great thing. And they can get Tanahashi on the dynamite show and have Tanahashi in front of a live AEW crowd. Well, you know, what is in Japan? It's the Olympics. And you know what isn't in, in Japan or anywhere else? A hairy bush. Tame those pubes with help from our friends at Manscaped, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming. Uh, they've got this new fourth-generation performance package, uh, including the brand-new Lawnmower 4.0. If an athlete treats their body like royalty, why not treat your pubes like Olympic gold? Uh, you got to go to manscaped.com. You use the code this is and pick up your performance package or any of the stuff in the performance package, like the lawnmower 4.0, the weed whacker, ear and nose hair trimmer, the crop preserver, ball deodorant, the crop reviver, toner. Uh, the performance package, if you get that, also includes two free gifts, the performance boxer briefs, and the shed travel bag. Uh, the lawnmower 4.0 is advanced, of course from the 3.0. It's got this new cutting edge ceramic blade, reduces grooming accidents. It's got a 7,000 RPM motor. Uh, I guess the big thing that it does now is you can turn the light on and off, which is pretty exciting. Uh, and it's waterproof. Michael Phelps is drooling. Just thinking about the possibilities. And you know, I was watching the diving two nights ago. Those guys gotta be using Manscaped uh, because they've, they wear these tiny little trucks. They're so low. And, uh, no, no pubes on these divers in the Olympics. Let me tell you. It, it, and that's a stylistic choice. This isn't like like swimming where like the where you're trying to get like aerodynamic or hydrodynamic there. Like right. th it's all stylistic there. I mean, they've got to be on the perfect package. Uh, 4.0. Yes, they have to. Uh, you know, it's you know good for them. It's a good look. Uh, you know, they're they're looking good. Uh, Sarah accused me of. Uh, you know, being horny for the divers because I was talking about how good their their bodies looked. But I was like, I'm just it's just true. I can't help it. I'm just it's not that I'm thinking about their bodies. I'm thinking about manscaped. You know, I'm thinking about how good their shaving looks, how good their trimming looks. Uh, it looks like they have achieved pubic glory, just like you can with Manscaped's perfect package, performance package 4.0. You get 20 percent off and free shipping. If you use the code, this is at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code. This is at manscaped.com. Okay. Mike, now, I can't help but notice you did not fave my Japanese handball tweet from four days ago. <laughs> four days ago. That's right. Let me go through and fave it right now. Seeing that you're bringing <laughs> up you. a tweet that's I've, four days old. I will old. tell you what it was. Uh, I was of course, I was at my my parents' house in uh, Virginia over the weekend, so we had Fair. the Olympics on. The Japanese handball team has both a doi and a yoshino, and they would uh, more than once stand right next to each other so you could see the backs of their jerseys. And I was like, I know those guys. Ah, I can't believe I missed out on that. It, it, 
I'm so mad at how they've set up like the Olympics from like a content accessibility standpoint in comparison to like four year in comparison to Rio. It's like impossible. I, you're supposed to get 4K and you get 4K of the worst sports. Like if you get 4K of a feed, don't you want to have something visually interesting, Nate? You you want to have something that that highlights the technology that you're able to see like the depth of field, all the higher resolution there, and then like it's like swimming and it's like oh. They, they, they're on a tracking shot at the swimming pool. You, the, the super slow motion of them breaking the plane of the water, like, that's cool once, but, like, come on, we have surfing, we have kayaking. Like, give me some – like, they had mountain biking. <laughs> I want to see mountain biking in 4K. I don't want to see swimming or table tennis. They had table tennis in 4K. That is – so swimming, I know, is one of the big draws for some reason. I don't really know why. I guess just because it comes down to a race. I would not pick kayaking personally. <laughs> That was a funny shout. Um, but handball is kind of cool. Oh, handball rules. But like that should be in 4K. That's not in 4K. I could have seen yeah. the Doi Yoshi uniforms in 4K. Now I'm going to have to like go find this now. There well, we go. The, uh, Found the tweet. I mean, it is fake. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, thanks to Kara also, a reliable favor. Um, uh, the I mean, NBC does suck in general with the Olympics every year. But yeah, I mean, they've been... They've been a disappointment uh, today. They had the the leak or the news about what was originally intended to be on the opening ceremonies, uh, and it just would have been so much better. Uh, it was oh, going to open. This. It was going to open with perfume performing. Um, okay. And there was going to be a whole segment where with about video games where Lady Gaga goes through a Mario pipe and then comes out as the uh, oh I've forgotten her name. You know the the Japanese female comedian like Naomi or something, and she does big express she did like a beyonce parody i think well she was going to pop out of the pipe on the other end it just would have been nice but uh you know snake bit olympics so didn't even I, have the moonside theme did not even have the moonside theme in the entrances they had like two hours to do that they could have thrown in the moonside theme absolutely nate i did watch almost all of the women's triathlon the other day because it was in odaiba marine park oh really yeah so it was like as they were biking i saw the ferris wheel there in odaiba and we hung out there uh, mm -hmm. a little bit and so it was just like i just couldn't stop myself from watching it because i was like oh i've been there <laughs> so it was the uh the mostly... last two times we've hung out there have been uh three ferris wheels oh between wow them. that's true that? that's true uh we do hang out a lot uh around places with ferris wheels are there I think the next time we'll hang out will be in Chicago. So Navy there... Pierce got a Ferris wheel. There you go. Okay, so there you go. Ferris wheels only for these guys. FWO <laughs> for life. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, talk about the stuff we didn't like on the show, which frankly was not that much. Uh, I struggled just coming up with some nitpicky things. But Nate, uh, get us started off. What did would you have deleted from this show? Yeah, this is not really so much a deletion of this individual segment. The segment was kind of fine. Um, it's just this angle, this angle where Brian Cage is breaking apart from Team FTW for some godforsaken reason. Started complaining about this as soon as they started hinting at it. You know, we're basically two weeks into this Team FTW thing. Uh, they already have to start teasing dissension, of course, with Brian Cage. And I just do not get the necessity at all. All I can think is that they just didn't have any better story ideas to do because Brian cage guy who looks awesome guy who can go in the ring, uh, but guy who would benefit big time from having a, uh, you know, cool, legitimate manner manager, which he had in Taz, 
There was that period in the early days of Team FTW where Taz is just cutting these fire promos straight to the camera. They were shooting it differently than they shot everything else on the show. Taz was on fire, made Cage look like a million bucks. Cage would then go out and just kill guys. It was a great act. It was a perfect act. You don't need to fuck with it. But, you know, and you add Ricky Starks to it. Ricky Starks, great addition to it. Powerhouse Hobbs, great addition to it. Hook, great uh, uh, complimentary piece to Team FTW. But then they have to do this stupid angle. Um, and it just doesn't make any sense. It's unnecessary. Brian Cage would be better in the unit with Taz as his manager. Now we have to have Brian Cage cutting his own promos for stuff. We're supposed to get behind Brian Cage as a big baby face. I don't see it. Um, so yeah, that's, I, I just hate that direction that they're going in, you know, doing like the second line for Ricky Starks is a Nola guy. I think that's a nice touch. Uh, and we know he can go on the mic. Um, so, you know, the segment was, was whatever, but just the idea that they had to go to the story with Brian Cage doesn't make any sense to me at all. It just felt very rote. Like everything about this segment, every other than Taz being very excited and you could use that gift now at the, uh, at the everything elite Patreon discord, uh, patreon.com slash everything elite, uh, everything about that just like, it was like very something you would see after someone cashed in a title cashed in money in the bank and then they celebrated their title win the next day like on or all like that's what that's this segment felt like it just felt like very paint by numbers and it's just something that you've kind of in a way ricky starks is more than enough a promo that he doesn't really need taz but brian cage as nate you said terrible promo really kind of needed taz so you're kind of like the way they split up these gr- this group, other than like they've obviously been foreshadowing Cage in the right way, like you, you, you you've taken the person out who probably needs this more and kept the person who really doesn't need it, and you just like it all happened. It, it just felt like a WWE post pay per view like like championship celebration where they like, like that there, and it just like the one thing I'll say for it, it's a positive they kept it moving. They kept a lot of stuff that was not as good on the show moving here, and this segment could have gone on a lot longer and have been a lot worse. Honestly, thought Ricky kind of struggled on the mic in this segment. He didn't seem as as confident, as um, sure of what he was saying as he usually does. I don't know if the crowd got to him a little bit, uh, but the crowd certainly sensed that he (laughs) wasn't on top of his game, and uh, that kind of dragged it down but i went into the into the segment expecting that i would not like it so you know also probably had something to do with it all right mike what do you think we ought to have deleted from this show i feel bad deleting this because someone got hurt and it does seem that cash wheeler it was a case of just an errant cut and it was a freak occurrence at least according to brian johnson at PW Insider, but this FTR versus Santana and Ortiz uh, storyline that apparently this match has been on books for years. Oh, not for years, for months. And this was going to be like the big Carolina debut for FTR. Barely any positive, any reaction whatsoever for FTR coming out in Charlotte, North Carolina. Match itself was just kind of there. It kind of was just going there. Santana did have a strong, uh, a hot tag. And maybe this was something that as soon as the cut was, everyone became clear that Cash 
got cut really bad that they were going to like send it home here. But it was a match that was going to have to really deliver in ring to kind of make up for just how bad like stuff like the press conference was leading up to it. And it just did not accomplish any of that whatsoever. Yeah, I don't think the promotion has put any of these guys in a position to succeed in this feud basically since the beginning. Uh, I have talked a lot about just how these promos have been put together um, and how there's been content there that they could exploit to make this angle work. Uh, and the promotion has just failed at doing that in a compelling way. Um, and then this, I mean, Santana and Ortiz got the big reaction. They got a big reaction coming out, uh, which is great because they're great. Uh, but you know, this match had to follow that opening elimination tag match, which was crazy and also features uh, the biggest stars and champions in your promotion. <laughs> it's just like, okay, n- now you watch that. Uh, now watch uh, an undercard match with some tag teams. Like, and, and you know, there's fewer guys in this match. Um, and also, you know, later in the show, there's going to be insane plunder. Um, so, yeah, now you need to get super up for this match crowd. That's just why you do a show with the most the biggest matches at the end of the show. This match should have opened the show. Uh, and then the crowd could be like, hey, I get to see, you know, th- these aren't the guys I paid my tickets to see, but I get to see FTR. They're Carolina guys. That's cool. And then you maybe get a bigger reaction for them and juice them a little bit. Um but yeah, they didn't do that. I, I you know, obviously I hope uh, Cash Wheeler's okay because uh, the cut did look pretty bad. Um, but if he is okay, they they kind of got a mulligan here because the match wasn't getting to the level where it was going to be some classic feud capper or something. Um, and now they can do it again in Queens and have Santana and Ortiz win. Uh, and you can put a proper, you know, uh, punctuation point on the feud and you know, give those, start giving those guys a genuine push. Uh, Cause yeah, they kind of got bailed out of this. They kind of get another crack at it. Cause the guy got injured in the match. I hope it's not the feud capper because with the story they told, it really sucks that FTR wins in the end. Yeah. No, they, <laughs> like, they oh. got to do it. Oh, Queens <laughs> is so far away. I don't know. Yeah, dude. Uh, I don't know, but you know, we were talking about this in the discord. It's a pretty common topic is that like, Santana and Ortiz have never won any big matches in this company. So uh, I don't know. You kind of wonder if they ever will. Uh, JR was focused on the fact that Santana has, I guess, trimmed up a little. <laughs> he was obsessed with that. He was just, oh, just all show, just different things were just. Yeah, I I, I mean, Santana, come, the, the reaction they got when he'd come out, when they came out, demonstrates that the crowd knows they're legit the crowd knows they're yeah. great the promotion maybe doesn't know they're great the crowd knows they're great the crowd i mean fucking conan is better than tolly tolly adds basically nothing while conan is compelling um so yeah I, I i have to presume they're they're going to get this to end with a santana and ortiz win uh because otherwise it's sucks and it's a mess uh, for my delete, I'm just going to stay on what I've been mad about lately, which is uh, how they handle Andrade. Uh, I mean, so Chavo is sticking around. That's clear at this point. So I was wrong. And, you, and you, he's you, better than Vicky. That's true. And Chavo was good in this segment. He like comes out. He's smooth. He feels smooth. He's telling the little thing to 
Pac, and it's like, okay, this is good. But then they throw Andrade on the mic again. It's not mic'd well. I couldn't really get a sense of what he was saying, and that may be my fault and not necessarily his fault. It's not his fault for sure. But it's like, why do they refuse to highlight this guy's strengths? They've brought in a guy to talk for him. They like the idea that they're both attached to famous wrestling families. Let the motherfucker talk. Why? Uh, I mean, I guess <laughs> uh, I'm gonna. If this is the case, I'm gonna be mad. Why don't they have Andrade fucking promo in Spanish, and then Chavo Guerrero, who I have to imagine speaks Spanish, can translate? Oh, because they have fucking goofball Alex Abrahantes already doing that gimmick for <laughs> Pentagon. That has to be the reason, right? So here's what you do. Fucking get Abrahantes off the show. Let him do commentary <laughs> and sell shit or whatever. Uh, and then you can have Chavo just translate for fucking Andrade. And Andrade can show his natural charisma and look cool as fuck. And then Chavo, you know, can add on to whatever he just said in his promo. So... Yeah, I, this wasn't really a, a down point for me because I'm kind of like, you know, with wrestling being a forward-looking business, like I said, as long as things are improving, then you kind of have momentum. So this is an improvement from last week. This is an improvement from all the fucking botches they've done with Andrade to this point, and it's an improvement on Vicky Guerrero. So they're finally, like, starting to maybe accelerate a tiny bit. They've gone from going in reverse to at idle now. So I can't really complain at idolo. Um Thank you. Uh, but yeah, they got to just fucking Ew. let Andrade promote Spanish. Chavo can translate and fire Alex Abrahantes. It's, I I mean, the, the other issue I have with like these segments and everything y'all really hit on is the most visually interesting thing about the Andrade act now is tablet guy. Like, and he pulls focus. There's the thing on dark elevation on one of the shows where like Andrade just came out to the ramp took off his watch and like his rings handed him to tablet guy chavo just came up patted him on the shoulder and then they walked in the back and tablet guy just handed him back his things the most visually co compelling part of the segment there and it's just like the political hit the political hit like i i, I do think like maybe it is something they're like all right and it's really just a mess up thing if this is their logic of saying oh we can't have another person translate for someone else on tv because we already have Alex Goofball Abrahantes doing it for Penta when that is like what they should be doing here at this point. Like that, like they are a seller. They are shifting the gear from, from reverse and now they're stalling a neutral right now. But I just, I don't know how much like you could really like re gear this thing until you're just doing a completely different thing. Like this isn't like the perceived idea that Miro is like wasting his time here. This is just like, cause Miro still had the package there. Like Miro is still, Miro at that point and it's just like yeah just get over the fact that he wears cool shit uh what do you do if this keeps on going this way if Andrade at this point like you're just kind of have Andrade under contract and it's just not going to work it seems well it's about to be a promotion with a lot of people who need a lot of attention so Andrade I think is is in danger of, of being left behind or kind of stalling out in the in the middle of this promotion. So uh, it's going to be very interesting. In in fact, I think there's a potential of an insane influx of, of talent. <laughs> so yeah, uh. that's uh, there's uh, yeah, a lot of people need 
time on this well i mean it's television it's, show everybody's it's, here yeah well it's like <laughs> pro sports right with like no matter what you think of a certain person if they're getting paid a lot of money they are going to play right like they are going to get a chance a, a long leash to succeed and that is about to happen with at least two people where they are going to be paid a lot of money and they are going to be focused on heavily so everybody else is going to have to do something to shine i think and that's going to be very interesting yeah that's uh, it's going to be a challenge i mean it's a good problem to have i guess um and they're but, adding another hour also yeah my, my tolerance for your like christian cages will start to decrease when it becomes clear that it's like well you have to give time to punk you have to give time to danielson you have to give time to omega you have to give time to moxley you have to give time to archer you have to give time to christian cage and then it's like okay uh now there's literally you know zero acclaimed on my show now what the fuck yeah. well, you didn't yeah. even mention malachi black who i'm obviously <laughs> is going to be focused on or cody who's going to yeah. be cody on. cody I, yeah cody probably i could have said before archer um but hey i'm you know, Malachi Black seemingly super fucking over. So what are you yeah. going to yeah. do? Yeah. And then it, it's, it, as you said, the acclaimed or, you know, you start to lose. I mean, presumably Jungle Boy is going to be focused on. But, you know, they have homegrown people who need focused on, who need to be. You don't want to get into the WWE problem where you don't have the next stars, right? They have to keep building the next right. people who are going to be big stars. Forward looking um, foci. Oh, <laughs> And you have to have forward-looking foci because you look at how they currently present a lot of like the younger talent there, and it, it's something where it's like, all right, uh, Julia Hart has been getting a crazy amount of TV time, but you, you look at like a lot of the remainder of the roster there, and you look at how they kind of portion out this time here, and how much are you going to relegate all of or dress express with it with the exception of jungle boy to dark and elevation at a certain point. How are you going to do that with like, uh, the acclaimed as y'all mentioned, or just like, or even, even the like dark order. Think about like best friends, John silver and yeah. Best yeah. friends. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's just something that like, it's going to be interesting because you really, so you're gonna have three hours of TV. That's really two hours when you remove commercials a week that they were going to have to like portion out. And there's a legitimate thing here that I mean, like they've done such a good job of like the build for jungle boy for that match, like making him into a viable challenger. And you're not going to want to completely just throw that out with the bathwater when you have bigger stars coming in there, because the bigger stars, you, you only anticipate they're being there for two to three years. Like it's, it's forward looking folk guy. I mean, that that's the theme of everything elite 134. All right. The, this will this, be our first shirt, by the way. When we when that, we'll start making merch. Yeah, that's like a very hack podcast joke. Like, oh, that should be a shirt, but it, it is amusing to me to imagine a shirt that says "Forward Thinking Foca." <laughs> uh, the speaking of Julia Hart, the listener delete uh, is from our friend Guy, who says Julia Hart not cutting her own promo. They definitely did a segment where the two guys talked about the woman standing there, and she just smiled and said nothing. Yeah. <laughs> what, they did what, that. What is she like 21 or something? 19, brother. 19. Okay. Yeah, they they are very close to the nerve a lot with uh the, the like the acclaimed promos also. Mm -hmm. It's like things that make you hmm. 
<laughs> yes. Well, as I said on Light this morning, over the last three months, Julia Hart has been on TV more than Riho, Hikaru Shida, Ty Conti, or Thunder Rosa. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's fucking insane. It doesn't make any sense. Tony just gets these little fixations or something, and all of a sudden, it's going to be Hot Young Briley on TV for three weeks in a row, and then fucking never again. Cesar Benoni. I don't get it at all, um, but it is, man, it, it's already, fr- I'm like, even skipping over just the frustrating aspect of how much time they get in general, it's just bizarre that you're not like, hey, Ty Conti is a star who can go. Why aren't we building her? <laughs> it, I, I can't explain it. She hasn't been on Dynamite in months. Yeah. It's fucking bizarre. It's insane. Red Velvet. Red Velvet being built up. Remember like, Red Velvet? Remember yeah, when Red yeah. Velvet was like, uh, you know, Cody's tag team partner. Cody? Remember? Yeah. Hey, you guys remember Jade Cargill? No, you remember you Jade remember? Cargill in a fucking denim bikini that they and they threw that on dark. I mean, come remember on. Jade Jade Cargill going viral on Twitter uh, approximately every seventy two hours uh, and is never on Dynamite. Yeah. It's insane. You give her like a manager and it's like a very successful act, unlike some of the other managers that you give out in this promotion. And uh, she just doesn't get to be on television. Uh, Okay, the show kicked off with a hype video for the elimination match, the sick entrances that we talked about, and then the elimination match uh, that ended with Kenny Omega pinning Adam Page after a one-winged angel. Uh, Nick Jackson was also uh, a survivor of the elimination match. Then we had Pack with Alex Marvez. Somebody canceled the Lucha Bros car, so they're not going to be there. And we are led to believe it was Chavo. And he and Andrade and Tablet Guy come out, and Chavo says, don't worry, we got you a limo. So continuing this thing of that they want to bring Pack over. Uh, and also explains what a limousine is to Pack because, yes. of course, he's never been a big enough star to have one. Uh, I do want to, just on this topic, I hope I hope they have multiple ambulances lined up for the Queens show, just so we don't see any you know dirty underhanded tricks where any rival promoters try to cancel the AEW ambulance. That's a great point. Also, you know, if they're doing a show in Queens, I want to make sure that they have uh, that it's not too hot, that they have sufficient water for everyone. Uh, I don't want to see anybody pooping their pants at this uh, wrestling show in Queens for sure. <laughs> no. Uh, the Ricky Stark celebration was next. We've talked about a lot of stuff already. Uh, then there was a video featuring Hiroshi Tanahashi, which Nate has alluded to. He says he's going to be challenging the winner of tonight's title match, the IWGP US title match. Uh, this irritated me a little because they let us think for, I don't know, 20 to 30 minutes that this guy might be on AEW doing this, but it turns out it's just for the New Japan show. Yeah, it did not frustrate me because I've always pretty much had him slated to challenge on the Resurgence show. But I do, I think we get, you know, AEW has to give New Japan permission to use John Moxley in the United States. And I'm pretty sure those are the terms of that contract. So if they're going to, you know, do him the solid and say, hey, yeah, you have a big John Moxley match, and we're also going to promote it on our, on our television, you would think they're also going to get something in exchange for it, like a Hiroshi Tanahashi match in AEW. Maybe they do, uh, you know, Tanahashi beats Archer for the belt at the first show, and then they do Moxley versus Tanahashi at an AEW show. That's in play. Well, they, I mean, in fairness, they have had Kenta and Yuji Nagata on Dynamite. Mm-hmm. This could be the the trade. Yeah, uh, I, well, I guess. The, yeah, uh, but they are. They gave Moxley. They had Moxley do uh, strong shows. That's mm-hmm. true. I, I guess, like, what's my qu- my question is, when is this New Japan 
show resurgence what day is it uh it's in august okay so that's all i know they just announced a united center show and if he's going to be sticking around and you, you've done the favor there, I mean, it's a two-way relationship. Yeah, you've been getting a lot out of it, but they're going to be, like, I think tickets will move for that. But, I mean, that's going to be the fourth show that they have in the Chicagoland area in two weeks. In, in so, a building that has been too big for the WWE to run. Right, that's too big that you're going to have to be paying what I assume are higher IATSE fees because of the weird Chicago land, like electrical union kind of deal there. So like you're probably like being able to get Tanahashi for that, I think would be pretty important. That'd be sick. I would get to see it probably. Yeah. I mean, so that's like four shows within a span of With what? Two weeks. Like I said, Oh, say sorry, I, mi- I missed that. But it's like, <laughs> how the fuck do they plan to do that? My understanding, and I'm not a WrestleTix Patreon subscriber, but I don't, I don't understand that the Dynamite and Rampage are like sold out or anything for no. for that week. So, and now they just think they're going to fill up the fucking United Center. It's very ballsy. Well, I mean, yeah. obviously they're teasing that CM Punk is going to be there. Right, right. That might sell a few tickets. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it is. It's a crazy. It's a crazy schedule. I, you know, maybe they should maybe combine the second rampage with that dynamite. But I guess I, yeah, I, I guess you know it's too late now. I'm sure. But also the Sears, the Now Center, dirt cheap. I'm sure. So yeah, the the, the big outlay here is the United Center show. Yeah, it's the United Center. Like United Center is what eighteen thousand now. Sounds like, right. That, uh, and, and, and like, what else are you going to be doing there? Because it's going to be a live rampage. Rampage is one hour, and you're booking this venue. Like, you're going to have to be like four hours of dark. I mean, <laughs> I, my body is ready for that. <laughs> they, I'm, I'm sure, sure they'll be is. doing some dark, <laughs> but they can't. They can't. No, they can't record Dino or uh, Rampage because the next one is in is All Out Week, right? So. That doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a crazy schedule. Yeah. Resurgence is August 14th, by the way. So, yeah. Uh, okay. Six days before that show. So, that makes sense. They could have Tanahashi yeah. on that show and get him back. As Thoros was telling us, oh. New Japan oh. has the big shows in early September. So, they could still get him back in time. Yeah, because they have the late G1 mm. this year, right? Um, uh, you guys re- you guys realize Tanahashi just headlined a Tokyo Dome show? <laughs> yes, against Shingo Takagi. <laughs> Isn't that really weird <laughs> yeah no no oh, oh no it's because like yeah i mean it's like the most natural thing in the world but it's like oh that's weird there was a just had a tokyo dome show that happened like on the weekend it just like went by without yeah, yeah yeah just just imagine going back in time seven years and go like okay um so there's going to be a midweek uh tokyo dome show in the middle of july for new japan and it's going to be headlined by Shingo Takagi defending the IWGP World Heavyweight title against Hiroshi Tanahashi. Pretty weird. Maybe uh, Tanahashi, while he's here, should uh, be on PWG. Tanahashi versus Darby at, uh, at the United States. Mystery Star. Vortex. I mean, he's asking for the best in the world. That's right. That's true. Great point. It's a great point. Uh, then we had Santana Ortiz versus FTR. Dax pinned Ortiz with a fucking brain buster. That was the finish of this match. Uh, Britt Baker's with Tony. She says she keeps getting hurt, and Rebel can't deal with the job of protecting her alone when everyone is gunning for her. So she seems to suggest she's bringing in 
some muscle for this act. Any right. thoughts? Mel. Uh, oh. Asha Kong. Mel, Mel and Asha Kong. <laughs> so maybe it's Emmy Sakura. Emmy Sakura said she's coming to the U.S. with a one-way ticket. Maybe she's the muscle. Yeah, Emmy Sakura and her queen, the whole like queen outfit. Just oh, yeah. in the background. I, I actually, the she would actually do a great job in that role. It would be very funny. She would probably be very good at it. <laughs> Can she get Chie's fencing foil beforehand? <laughs> Bra- uh, what's what's Queen? Speaking of queens, what's Queen Aminata doing? Isn't she, she's around somewhere? Queen Amidala. Isn't it Amanada? I don't it, know who it, that is. Queen Amanada reference. Yeah, you're making the Star Wars reference. Aaron was making the AEW Dark reference. This is I'm taking your job now. I'm explaining the joke. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I needed the explanation because I don't know who that is. <laughs> yeah, she's worked on Dark, but she also worked like Sendai Girls. So, huh? She's very cool. She's very tall and muscular. Uh, okay. Then they announced, yeah, Rampage, August 20th, United Center, the first dance. So also, Tony Khan going on Busted Open Radio and just shitting on uh, our <laughs> friends at Bodyslam.net, who were probably right. <laughs> yeah. That's all. That was funny. All right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, he was mad because he's like, I don't know. They made like pretty rational guesses at what the Khan family plane was doing flying to Illinois. And then he gets him like on a technicality that it's like, I wasn't actually on the plane. Okay. But the, the material facts of our scoop are right, which is that you signed CM Punk. Uh, so yeah, it's, you know, <laughs> yelling at him cause they guessed it, whatever details. Fine. I, I mean, it was actually even funnier than that, Nate, because he's like, no, 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 that wasn't my plane. That was my father's plane. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which is like, it makes you take a step back sometimes and just realize an insane like, thing who to the say. fuck these people are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God damn it. You think about that and then you think about like, oh, this guy booked a Nick Gage match on the show. <laughs> yeah, the duality of man. The duality, the duality of, man. of Khan. He does contain multitudes, without a doubt. Uh, then we had Darby and Sting with Alex Marvez. Darby says he's been around a lot of men who have claimed that they're the greatest. There's only one place to prove that, AEW. Even if you think you're the best in the world, the crowd starts chanting. Oh no! Earlier, the crowd started chanting <laughs> yeah. for CM Punk, and the the camera cut to the fans chanting for CM Punk. Yeah. Yes, very unsubtle. But then after he said "best in the world," the crowd also popped huge again. Yes, people are, want this man. Well, here's it, the thing: they are obviously letting us believe that CM Punk is going to be at this show on the 20th or soon is going to be an AEW. We used to talk a lot on this show about how Tony Khan would build up expectations and not deliver on them. If he does not deliver CM Punk, at least by that show on the 20th, the crowd will fucking revolt. It will will kill the promotion. They will never forgive him. (laughs) No. It, it, It will be the equivalent of like the WWE shitting on the fans for a period of 10 years. That's how big the disappointment would be. He fucking better be signed with, with like this stuff. He better be signed. Yeah. And if he's not, no. <laughs> Danielson has to be signed. Like, uh, like, you, yeah, you, I guess you have a little escape valve. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I don't you, think you so, can't... though, because like, I think they have very clearly suggested this is CM Punk. Oh, 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 oh no. But they also have the, the cute way of Brian Danielson has also been called best in the world as well. I, 
Like, just, you have I an app. That's too cute. I really no, do. It, it is cute. I mean, it, it is very it will, cute. Don't be. It don't will get make me him wrong. an enemy in Chicago. The people at the show in Chicago will be pissed forever. Yes. The, the oh, television sure. viewing audience will probably you sure. know, find find a way to forgive him for it. Because I mean, historically, you know, the story of the season finale of WWE WrestleMania 30 is basically the story of the WWE fans finally getting their consolation prize. They wanted CM Punk and they got Daniel Bryan. So there is a historical precedent for this. I just, I, I just can see them kind of pulling this. Yes, it will get the crowd on this, but also you get the crowd hot at Bryan Danielson. Bryan Danielson would just feed into that. Like just imagine the kind of heel that Bryan Danielson could be like if that happens with this. And then the crowd would be super into Darby for pulling that. Like, I think it's actually a great idea that if Best in the World ends up being Brian Danielson, not CM Punk in Chicago. Yes, it'll be deflating, but I think you could be doing a lot of interesting stuff out of it. I don't think you will completely kill the town, though, Nate. I think you would kill the town. I think if you do a swerve and have Danielson come out first and then Punk comes out later, I think that would be the peak. That would be unbelievable. Uh, Money in the Bank, that Money in the Bank show in Chicago, was that also 2012? Was that the Carl Anderson G1 year? No, that was 2011. 2011. This is the 10th anniversary of Voices of Wrestling, which was formed after that (laughs) that show. It was at that show, Allstate. Uh, Daniel Bryan won the Money in the Bank on the undercard of that show. So, you know, very much uh, parallels between those guys' career. Uh, But yeah, (laughs) that would be funny if Darby does the challenge at the first dance show. Bryan Danielson comes out. People obviously go crazy, uh, but then you have to deliver CM Punk later. <laughs> I, I, for one, will be mad. I just want to be clear that I will be mad. I want to be worked. I want them to do this. <laughs> Work me. Not in this way. All right. We had the IWGP US title match. Uh, Lance Archer defeated Hikuleo, who has a beautiful head of hair, I must say. Uh, Too much hair? No. Perfect hair. You, can, you can't hair. see his face a lot of the time. I, I, he's not that good looking. That's okay. Nice. I think he's, pro- he's pretty good looking. Yeah. Uh, so I had I didn't know what to expect from this match because I haven't seen Hikuleo since like a yeah. Ring of Honor tour like four or five years ago. Uh, but th- like Lance Archer was determined to make this work. He fucking laid in some six shots on Hikuleo in this match. This was like uh, this was like, oh, Lance Archer's doing New Japan style in the way that all those Moxley matches aren't <laughs> like Moxley's little dainty elbows uh, are the opposite of what Lance Archer was doing here. And I think they did a savvy thing in having Haku come out and escort Hikuleo because you've got a guy who's like a little green and more importantly is largely unknown to this audience. So it's like, hey, give the crowd a reason to get invested in this guy. Give the crowd a fun spot with Haku on the outside as a little legends thing. Uh, Very smart way to keep the energy up and keep the crowd's interest in this match high. I just think how sick it must be to be the referee. I think it was Bryce for this match and just know, oh, they're going out on the outside. I can just kind of take a break for a minute and eventually start counting them in there because it's New Japan rules. Uh, but yeah, no, Hikuleo looks better from the first time I remember seeing him. Fucking Haku, just Haku, just being there. It was like this. It was, it, it was a good time. Yes, it was a good time. Uh, his hair looked great. I just want to be very clear about that. Uh, I thought it was good. Do you, I mean, do you guys think Tana is going to beat Lance Archer and, and take this title back to Japan? I think if Tana is beating Lance Archer, it's to set up Tana versus Moxley. That's what I think. All right. I just and keep then picking people I to take this I, back. I kind of think New Japan has to be kind of happy with 
John Moxley getting this belt over on American television week in and week out. So um, it is funny that the two Bullet Club guys we've had in this AEW promotion, which was like born of the Bullet Club, have been Kenta and Hikuleo. It's like, no, not not even Tamatanga, not even Tangaloa, but Hikuleo, that's funny. But we did get the G.O.D. Uh, theme. Not the new one, though, right? The The classic one? Ah, fuck, I don't know. I'm not actually yeah, a theme was, guy. Okay. I just I tried to drop a nugget there and <laughs> I think it was the classic on one. I think it was the classic yeah, was. theme. Yeah. Uh okay. Then we had Cody with Alex Barvez. He's about to talk about Malachi Black, but Malachi Black attacks. And they do a whole brawl out onto the stage. People try to save and, and Fuego gets the, the shit end of this brawl. Fucking I mean his kicks are very cool. And Fuego takes a sick bump. Great spot for Fuego. I mean, I you know, that's why Cody is, at times, a next-level savvy worker. Because he's like, even for the people that maybe don't like me, I'm going to have my guy Fuego out here, and I'm going to give him a big spot as the guy in my corner. And I'm going to make you go, God damn it, that Cody, he's got one over on me. As Cubs pointed out, Fuego even in the uh, Nightmare Family jacket. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Spoiler for Sammy G vlog, which I will not be covering on the Patreon. <laughs> uh, I, I Jim Ross was again vibing, saying, "My God, that's the damn go position!" Like, where is he gonna attack there? <laughs> it just was. I, yeah, I, I think like it's interesting. Like Cody gets such a reaction from just portions of social media. Cody was on TV for a grand total of one minute here tonight. It was completely effective. Like this was exactly what needed to happen in this feud here. And it's just like, this is like picking your shots and then realizing, Oh, I'm going to get, I'm going to get beat up, but you know, what's going to make the crowd really hate it. Everyone loves Fuego. Fuego, you're going to eat a kick here. And it, you know, it worked out. Yeah. I mean, just in terms of, you know, everything working when you're a hot promotion, like, this felt like a super hot fucking crowd for Malachi Black. And this was what, like the like the eighth biggest story on this show? <laughs> so that's like if that's if you're if your mid card is your Malachi Blacks and they're getting reactions like this, it, you can't call it anything but a big success. Next up we got a uh, Miro pre-tape. He says this used to be a, a belt that had an open challenge, but all the challengers have dried up. Next week, God's favorite champion is going to fight. It's going to be Lee Johnson, who cannot take his divine right from him. And he says the only thing that motivate him are a vengeful God and a double-jointed wife. Big pop in the arena. You could hear it. Big pop uh, just across the world. <laughs> Great line. I mean, I, I can't blame him. I do. I'm ready to see what the, like, what's the next story for this guy? Right? I mean, yeah. he, is, he is talent on loan from God. He is the redeemer. I mean, I, the character is is phenomenal. No, can't can't, can't impugn the character at all. Yeah, but I uh, I just where where's the next like legit challenger? Well, if I haven't anybody cooking yet, if Malachi Black wins the feud with Cody, you got a mm -hmm. classic God versus Satan feud. Just it's right there for you. It's very simple. Okay. Yeah. Does Malachi? Uh, <laughs> So to say, does Malachi Black have like a hot, flexible wife? Uh, but I guess that's <laughs> yes. out of play. That's not in play here. <laughs> it is out of play. Oh, yeah. We haven't even seen uh, Lana yet. I don't know what the 
I don't know what her date is, but I assume we'll see her eventually in the promotion. At some point in this promotion, we're going to have so many managers that like people are going to need two or three managers apiece. Right, yes. And yeah. You're going to have entourages at a certain point. It's good. It's going to yeah, be like... Andrade's already there, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be like early 90s WWF where like a random manager had like five or six people who were just like... Didn't really go together at all, but it just... Oh, uh, oh, oh, well, that's, so that's the Hardy family. family also, yeah. That's true. That's true. How is Slick doing? Is, is Slick still around? I, is, Slick, uh, is Slick still yeah, with I think, us? Yeah, I think, I think so. Because I feel like he's one of those guys they trot out on WWE's, you know, uh, every six months Legends Night or whatever. Oh, oh uh, big Slick news, folks. Is... Slick residence, according to Wikipedia, Louisville, Kentucky. So oh. maybe I could have a word with him. Uh, his, Better go uh, his hometown, Fort Worth, Texas. That's right. So he, he's a real uh, Mike Aaron connection here. So, but yeah, he is and still he's, alive. He's only 63. So he's still with us. Yeah, we got to bring in Slick, I think. Okay. Uh, now I'm just reading Slick's Wikipedia page, which doesn't help anyone since this is a the, podcast. Uh, <laughs> the, video, the video of. <laughs> Uh, a gauge and the pizza cutter with the Domino's ad just going fully viral. <laughs> that's, uh, that's excellent. Uh, then we had a uh, six-man tag, a trios match, I guess, as Mike would say. <laughs> Only Mike would say that. Christian, Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus versus Private Party, and on Helico, Christian pinned Mark Quinn with a frog splash. After the match, Blade attacked Christian. So we're we're moving on to Blade versus Christian. I guess uh, Marco Stunt lost his shoe partway through at ringside as he was like chasing Matt Hardy to the back, and it was there. The crowd. This was when this was probably where I was like, "All right, they're gonna have to get this crowd up for the main event here because it." They just Matt Hardy, who's from approximately an hour outside of Charlotte, did not get like the hardy pop that I'm, i've been accustomed to seeing whenever i they pop up on indies around here like that was when i was like okay something's in this and the show they do not care about and hfo is one of them we had uh the nick gage video from road Two, a uh, shortened version of a little nick gage introductory promo then thunder rosa versus julia hart rosa won with the fire thunder driver and uh, was frankly one of the most over people on the show. They yeah. should have more women on, <laughs> on the show. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, uh, that's, you know, we didn't say that when we were talking about all these people coming in, but the women's division is just going to get less time. Like, I mean, they're in, yeah, in I mean, real danger. I, I yeah. mean, could have had less time than it did tonight, where it was like one one minute Britt Baker segment in a Thunder Rosa and Julia Hart match that went a grand total of six minutes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just give them time, Mike. They can definitely. Get <laughs> time. Oh, oh I, well, I, I mean, what's going to happen? Like, it, are they just going to keep the belt on Britt Baker until Britt Baker either retires, or leaves the company? Because that's the yes. only time it seems like you can get concentrated TV time for women at this point. Forever. Britt yeah, will be the, the forever champion. I mean, we say this every week. At some point, I, we should probably just stop saying it and accept the promotion for what it is. Uh, but, you know, if they cut four minutes from any other match on the show you can put one other match on the show have jade cargill kill a girl and just just getting those people the littlest bit of exposure will start the crowd to get more invested in them people can't get invested in them like 
just off you know being invisible i, I guess i don't know why they don't pop ratings the women's matches it's a uh, fucking oh that's weird it seems like they tell? do all the time yes that too but yeah <laughs> but <laughs> like they actually all the only people that do better ratings than the women in this promotion is fucking wheeler yuda uh that's right the rampage like they have to do just women's tag titles they have to introduce them well kenny omega had an interview recently where he's like i really hope uh we have a lot more women's wrestling on rampage it's like motherfucker do you have any power in this company i seems like no seems like no yes but it's like (laughs) maybe no you can't just say like i think this is what we ought to do tell tony khan it's what you ought to do don't tell bodyslam.net or whoever yeah all right uh, there was a, the Mox pre-tape we talked about, about how Tanahashi has been dodging him for months. Now you're dead to me, which I thought was very funny. But then he says he told his boy to send some contracts over to New Japan. He says, but maybe Tana's the smart one. Maybe you learned from Suzuki and Nagata. Uh, when you open the forbidden door, there won't be anything good on the other side. So not really sure how Mox feels about Tanahashi based on this promo. No, but, you know, just mentioning him, obviously, they're going to that direction at some point here. Uh, but, yeah, that was also kind of cool. He said he's just like, send all the fucking contracts for guys in New Japan that you got. So we really might see even more guys. Oh, that's what we need is more guys to <laughs> find time for. And, and you're about to have to find time because it's a promotional partner. So, yeah, this is fun. <laughs> it is fun. Or, you know, it could be like Yuka Sakazaki who comes over from Japan and never appears on television well i guess she wrestled penelope ford a couple weeks ago but yeah that was it wow that was her run in aew it is like it's such a good show it's such like a it's i don't know it's like a weird complaint to have because it's like well i didn't there wasn't anything on this show i guess there were things i would cut yeah it, but, I, it, yeah it's just i guess that's the definition of a good problem to have is like well it's a good thing but you do still have a problem with it Right. Yeah, it's just like it could be better. You know, there's like easy and very discreet, specific ways to like improve this show. And and so that's kind of what makes it frustrating is they do such a good job on so many things that you'd like to see them land some of these other easy things. Right. The women's tag titles is like, you know, I almost don't. It almost seems like too much of a cheat to give to them. But it's like, hey, you do that. And now you have time for four women on the show that you didn't have time for before. So. Yeah, it's just, it worries me that it's like, well, then it's going to be like WWE where it's like, all you ever get is a title. Uh, you know, all you're going to have is the women's title yeah. uh, feud and the tag title feud. And that's all that'll ever right. happen. Yeah, but right now we just have you're right, the it's still Baker more. feud. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's one more than we have currently. Yeah, so. I guess you're right. Uh, a late entry for listener Elite of the Week, and it comes from friend of the show, Wikiface, who wants to give a listener elite to Nick Gage wearing a shirt on television that says Nick fucking Gage on it. <laughs> oh, um, I didn't notice that had that on there, that he yeah. got with a cuss on a t-shirt. He did. He sent me the the shirt itself, and it definitely at the bottom says Nick fucking Gage. So What's well, uh, the master of freedom of information, Axe? Uh, Dave Bixenspan better have his FOIA request open to see if the SEC gets any complaints about Nick Gage's <laughs> F-bomb shirt. Just that- pull up Pacer right now. well just make sure you turn off caps lock before you start typing into pacer (laughs) so the main event chris jericho versus nick gage chris jericho won with the judas effect uh after the match mjf says jericho's next stipulation is that he has to do a move off the top rope weird because he's done a frankensteiner in the last two matches 
Uh, but labor number three, folks, is Juventud Guerrera. Uh, I don't know. I thought Hoovy was about to come out, which would have blown the roof off of my house, at least, if not the Bojangles <laughs> Coliseum. He did not. But, I mean, if you haven't kept up with Juventud over the past 25 years, he's been kind <laughs> of a mess at times. Uh, so I don't know what this is going to look like, but uh, I'm excited about it. I know that. I, I mean, didn't we kind of feel the same way about, like, wow, having Nick Gage on national TV, that's going to happen. But, like, we knew that Nick Gage was going to be, you know, Nick Gage. He was going to do Nick Gage things. Who knows what Juventud Guerrero is going to be doing on national TV? Right. I actually have way more confidence in Nick Gage to right. tailor his acts for the audience than uh, <laughs> the juice. Uh, but this is, a, this is a, I think, a good, smart direction to take this in because obviously you can't escalate the violence from Nick Gage. So it's like, okay, well, if I can't do a more demanding physical challenge for you than doing like a weirdly specific personal thing with a, <laughs> you know, a weird luchador from Jericho's past, that's, you know, that's the, the sort of zag you need, I guess. And one of like, one of my favorite wrestlers when I was a kid from just watching him on uh, WCW. So it's like exciting in that way. They're obviously going for some of the, the WCW uh, nostalgia, which uh, I'm excited about. It sounds fun. It does make you wonder. I saw people banning about uh, Lance Storm. As Thrill a seekers. Challenger. That's funny. Uh, I guess this can't happen, Mike, but you know, it, it makes me long for uh, Ultimo Dragon. Yeah, I, when this started happening, I usually with Discord and how TV works with me with YouTube TV, I usually like when it comes to like the big angles, I try to like when I see people start reacting and, and before like they say what it is, I try to like minimize the window and do this. So I did this because I was really getting excited because I was like, okay, Ultimo does have a match in a few days. He's a part of the uh, Masato Yoshino retirement tour, but he's not necessarily like tied up in things. I was like, Ultimo has not really been in Japan a whole lot lately. So actually he is right now, I believe, quarantining a lot. Like he was like in Cuba like a while back. Like he's just vibing. And I'm like, all right, bring in Ultimo. Have Ultimo show up in his sumo hall like wearing tights there. And everyone would be like, holy shit, Ultimo Dragon's going to be doing everything that he wants to, that we expect Ultimo Dragon to do. And then everyone who has not seen Ultimo Dragon match in the last 20 years would just be so disappointed. And that would be so great on national TV. But Ultimo rules. I wish that happened. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, great match. Great. It's funny. I bitched about this angle because, or this like story because it's a remake of the MJF Cody thing. But it's like hitting on all cylinders. It's perfect. Uh, if they nail it on the the fourth and fifth match, this will easily, I think, as of right now, easily be the feud of the year. I also think I, I said this a while back about MGF that like kind of his his off mic kind of patter or his in ring sort of trash talk is kind of just more natural feeling heel stuff than him than like his more drawn out pre written promos. Uh, and this also kind of plays to his strength that way because it's like you get him doing the short and to the point promos where he's you know giving Jericho his next challenge, but other than that, you just kind of get his personality to shine through commentary which, you know, it's just a little less, like, prefabricated and a little more natural heel action from him. So, yeah, I think it. Uh, I think it's playing to his strengths. All right, that was Dynamite for tonight. If you enjoy our show, the best way to support us is to go over to patreon.com slash everything elite and subscribe. We've got three tiers, 
Uh, this week, we had an excellent show with Mike and Drew talking about uh, their various uh, or their, their long and storied history of seeing pretty cool wrestling shows. Yeah, it was just something. It was Drew's idea because of everyone likes to remember some guys and we decided to remember some shows. And it was just one of those things that kind of like struck with us. A lot of wild tangents there. I was uh, really glad to see everyone's response to it. And it was, you know, it was just a good time. And I'm glad that everyone did it. Uh, should we talk about, because I know we've talked about before about this, but since August 1st is upon us, should we talk about what's changing in August right here before we get about it, before we get out of here? Absolutely. So the Discord, the Discord, the Patreon going forward is going to work like this. Like the weekly shows that we had been doing will go away. We will now be doing a weekly show about Rampage each week on the Patreon. So if you're wanting Rampage coverage, that's where it's going to be. Uh, we'll be doing those, you know, presumably on the weekends since it's so late on Friday nights, we'll be doing those. We'll still be doing Light, our Dynamite preview and vlog recap show that we do on Wednesdays. And then in addition to that, we will just kind of whenever, occasionally, have bonus shows on top of that, but not on any set schedule. So that will be what the Patreon will look like. The Discord will still be around. We'll still be doing our uh, this show live for our $8 subscribers every Wednesday night right after Dynamite. So not a lot changes. Uh, it's just that's the way we have chosen to cover Rampage. So you'll be able to check that out. And of course... Uh, not this month, but in September, we'll have, as always, our uh, instant uh, reviews of uh, the pay-per-views for All Out. I'm not sure exactly how we'll do that one since we'll all be <laughs> in Chicago, but we'll figure it, it, it out. Yeah, no, I, I've been trying to... I We will be covering All Out like we did last time in All Out. It might not be immediately after show, but we'll right. have some of that. And, you know, I, I still have bonus shows cooking, so they're not going away. It's just one of those things that... It'll be a little bit more organic, and I think that's something that it, it's probably going to end up being more content in the end, actually, is how this is going to work out. So, yeah, just wanted to make sure before everything turns over for August 1 to uh, go over that on the free show. I yep. think we should uh, do the live reaction show at Podcasters Row. Is that's Podcasters? Good. Yeah. Can we, yeah. Get, can we get a spot there? Don't you have to pay for uh, that? No, yes. I don't think it's. I don't think it's coming back. Oh. It's not. And you did. <laughs> that was a joke. Aaron. Yes. Damn. Sorry. I'm just trying to make sure I get this show over before midnight. Yeah, I was looking. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's our Patreon. Patreon.com/slash/EverythingElite. Uh, make sure you check it out. Okay, next week on Dynamite, we have. Uh, they'll be back in Jacksonville for their homecoming show. Cody versus Malachi Black, TNT title Miro versus Lee Johnson, Christian Cage versus The Blade. Is this true that it's an NWA title eliminator match? Yeah, they brought that. They brought that was an NWA title eliminator match. I guess someone's going to Power or whatever is happening there. I can't imagine because I know it's now Camille is the champion and then NWA Women's Champion, and then yeah, I I saw that and I was like that's interesting, but it seems like it's an NWA Women's Title Eliminator, so it's still the relationship continues even after Thunder Rosa has now officially signed. Well, the match is the Bunny versus Layla Hirsch, uh, so that's happening on Dynamite next week. Uh, Labor kind of... Three is too right. What's the that? The Hoovy match. The Hoovy match is next week too, right? Oh yeah, I guess it has to be. So we should also get Chris Jericho versus Juventud Guerrera. Um, 
Yeah, I was getting ready to say weak card, but you throw Jericho versus Hoovy on there, and that changes everything. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it rocks. Uh, Hoovy should bring a light tube just for the hell of it. <laughs> Absolutely. He, he might just do it just because. Like, like n- nowhere next to Nick Gage being on the show the last week just brings a light tube. He had, like, this bizarre tournament happening in Mexico over the last few months that I've been following through Cubs fan and Rob Viper, and just seems like it was just an absolute mess, so... I'm excited for Hoovy to bring that energy to Jacksonville. I've basically been unaware of Hooventude for a long time, so I saw him wrestle Sammy Callahan at in Berwyn, I think. <laughs> Fuck. Of course. Yeah. Of course. I mean, it, was, it, was, it was fucking great. Uh Sammy was Sammy was doing a feud with Phoenix, so he was uh oh, running right. around yeah. and beating other luchadoras, so they brought Hoovy in. Uh yeah. Great, great storyline, great feud. Uh, Hoovy did a random Dragon Gate tour, like just out of nowhere. It was Hoovy to Guerrera showing up there, and just was one of the more bizarre like th- like tours that happened in Dragon Gate in a long time. So like that's why that's my awareness of Hoovy to Guerrera post uh, WCW. He's apparently been in Australia lately. <laughs> Is he? <laughs> and he did a lot in Canada at the end of last year, like a lot in Canada. <laughs> He, he was the CWE Canadian Unified Junior Heavyweight Champion. Oh my fucking god! 11 20, 2019 for the CWE Canadian Unified Junior Heavyweight Title. Juventud Guerrera versus Jason Kincaid. Oh wow! <sighs> what a match! Fuck no! Uh, he used to already... be back. He used to be backstage at AW a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Juventud Guerrera. Uh, made an appearance at Dragon Gate, teaming with Dragon Gate against BB Hulk and Masato Yoshino, and he lost the match. <laughs> 2010. Very funny. Anyway, so that's uh, that's Hoovintu Guerrero next next week on Dynamite. So I think that's our show. Just make sure you're following us on Twitter at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron Like the Car. Nate's at Epitasis. Mike's at Fuji. Hey, uh, subscribe to the podcast. Give us a five star rating and review on the Apple Podcast app. And if you want to support the show, the best ways to do so are to go to uh, manscaped.com. Use the promo code this is for 20% off and free shipping. And go to patreon.com slash everything elite and sign up. It's about to roll over to August 1. So sign up now, get a whole month of uh, wonderful content. For Mike, for Nate, I'm Aaron. We'll see you next week. Okay.